Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast, where we talk about everything the church needs to know, and some things you don't need to know about failing forward in young adult ministry. We are starting these monthly podcasts with a discussion about the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, and anything else we feel like. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from Boise, Idaho. My name is Jeremy, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm from, I'm Chris from Cincinnati, Ohio. And here we go. We want to get started. Um, just taking uh, turns, sharing with you about who we are, what we do, where we are, and why in the world are we doing this podcast completely from the goodwill and motivation and passions of our hearts about young adults. So, Chris, why don't you start us off? Because we're going to go from oldest to youngest. Ah, (laughs) Let's see how we are. All right. So, yeah, my name's Chris Bean. I've been doing college ministry at the University of Cincinnati for a little over 10 years now. Um, Before that, I was a youth pastor in the Nazarene Church, a worship pastor um, for a little bit of that time as well. Um, so yeah, I've been working specifically with college age young adults, um, for the past 10 years, but also have been doing college young adult ministry as part of my youth ministry and my previous gigs and, you know, things like that. So anyway, um, I've been messing around, playing around, trying out things, um, you know, with this, this age group for some part of all my years of ministry. Um, but yeah, currently I, I'm part of a nonprofit coffee house. So it's a separate nonprofit that runs a coffee house at the University of Cincinnati called 86 Ministries. That's the nonprofit, the coffee house, the 86 Coffee Bar. So if you're in Cincinnati, swing by and see us. Um, we roast our own beans there. We hang out with students. Um, got a really good coffee shop environment going. And that's kind of like my home base. That's where I build relationships with students um, and hang out. So that's where a lot of my time is spent throughout the week. Best Cortado I've ever had in my life and also the first one. Mm, it's good to share that experience with you, man. It is. <laughs> And then I have my oldest daughter is a third year student, a junior at the University of Cincinnati. My next young, my next younger daughter, next youngest, younger. That works. That works. She's a junior in high school. Uh, We live on the east side of Cincinnati in Milford, little suburban uh, village of sorts. Um, And then my youngest is a boy, Josiah, and he is uh, third grade. So junior in college, junior in high school, third grade son. and a wife of 25 plus years. And so that's me in a nutshell. Thank you, Chris. My name is Kenny Wade, 43 years old. I am from Generation X and I've been married for 22 years. My lovely wife, whose name is also Deborah. I have three kids. My oldest, my daughter, Emily, is a sophomore um, in college, Northwest Nazarene University. I uh, live in the, the Boise, Idaho area, Nampa, Idaho, where NNU is at. Um, I have a son in high school, 17, track, cross-country guy, middle school son, um, also tracking in cross-country. We're just, we're just getting into the track season here, so things are picking up. Been in youth ministry 23 years, 
eight of eight of these years, and I count the years up into the present because I'm a volunteer youth worker, but I've been a full time youth pastor um, and uh, a couple different places. Um, but eight eight years in young adult ministry of different varieties and sorts. Um, I'm a volunteer young adult pastor at TCC. That's going to be important later. But that stands for, in my context, Tree City Church, Church of the Nazarene. Um, my day job, my bread and butter, is the being the church suite manager at a nonprofit called Because International, also based out of Napa, Idaho. So that's been exciting. That's that's uh, been an adventure I've been on for the last year. Um, so why am I doing this? Why why do I want to be a part of of this conversation with with my friend in in Cincinnati and and the next guy, Jeremy, in Nashville, that you're going to hear from next. Um, I see a way forward for churches with young adults, and I want to network those conversations all together from the experiences I've had from the last eight, six to eight years and resource each other. I want to hear from my friends here. I want to hear from you. Um, I, want, I want folks, especially within the Nazarene Church, to know, man, we can do this. There's hope. It doesn't matter if it's a small church or a large church, but we... Um, we can band together, encourage each other, share ideas, and young adults can benefit from that, and young adults can lead in that. Um, special interest of uh, mine in my uh, yeah, I'm cast bio section here, Spartan Racing Wannabe. That's really all you need to know. If you ask me questions about it, you're going to wish you hadn't. Um, and I'll just leave it at that for now. Pass it on to our friend in Nashville. I'm Jeremy Height, and uh, am I the youngest one? Is that that's why I you would definitely be the youngest <laughs> one. You're going last. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Um, I am uh, 28 years old, and have been married for uh, almost seven years, and I'm in that season of life where uh, most of my free time is dictated by my two young children. I've got um, an almost three year old and a six month old. And, uh, my family has been here in Nashville for just under a year serving at, uh, Trevecca community church. For those of you keeping track at home, that's the second TCC, uh, here on the Yamcast, and I'm nice. a college and community engagement pastor. So I get to hang out at Trevecca community church, which is on uh, campus of Trevecca Nazarene University. And so I get to hang out there, teach some classes and spend a lot of time in our community with our young adults uh, in the church, both those who are in college and those who are post it or doing um, other things better in that uh, age range. And aside from that, I, because of my two young kids, I don't have a lot of hobbies. You know, I can't be a Spartan uh, race, uh, wannabe. Uh, I don't, I don't really have that you much. You can always time. be a wannabe. You can always oh, be a wannabe. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I do it. You can. So it's one of those things where when I get the small pockets to uh, do something, it's either, do I want to enjoy some coffee? Uh, do I want to write or do I want to go exercise? It's like once a week I get to <laughs> one of those and the rest of my time is spent changing diapers and playing a lot of Paw Patrol. Uh, the real which, work of God. Exactly. Which is a lot of fun. And for me, um, being a millennial kind of on the younger, uh, uh, side of that, uh, wanting to have these conversations be a part of, uh, this discussion, uh, really comes from, for me, uh, for my friends and for the friends of my siblings, really just being tired and frustrated of, uh, 
seeing so many uh, my friends walk away from the church and in talking with them, them not seeing the church as something that's relevant to their lives, not something that gives them any meaning or purpose, and they don't see it as an answer to the brokenness and injustices in the world, um, either because they it's not happening or where it is being done, the conversation and the stories aren't being shared in a way to really inspire people my age and just a little bit younger from me to realize that God is up to something uh, really beautiful around the world and that the church, uh, as flawed as it may be in some ways, is a really important and beautiful part of that. It's really good, Jeremy. Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, I was going to have a share kind of what our, our purpose is for, for doing this, which we all kind of did at the end. Jeremy, you let us into that. Chris, is there anything you, you wanted to add that you didn't already share previously about why you're doing um, this? Why, 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 why indeed? You do have some um, notes here in case that would be helpful in your <laughs> thought processing. Yeah, I noticed I didn't really follow, <laughs> follow the script there. Um, you know, another thing I didn't mention is that I, I have this role in the denomination, the Church of Nazarene, as uh, what we call the campus mission coordinator. So that's really just trying to be an advocate and sort of a cheerleader for college-age ministry um, and to try to help churches or leaders, people that want to reach you know, college students, figure out a way to do that. So that's one of the hats that I wear throughout the week as well. So that really connects with what I feel like is why I'm so passionate about this is because I, some of it is just a, re, a sense of responsibility that you get to a certain stage of life and ministry and you feel like a lot of your experiences and things you've done and things you've learned should translate into some equipping and some strategizing and mentoring, you know, for others in ministry. Um, so I just feel some responsibility to figure out how to translate you know, what I've been doing and some of the experiences I've had. Um, and I, also, I just think the college and young adult crowd, there is huge potential there to leverage kingdom kingdom activity um, in ways that really does influence the world, influence our communities, um, because I think the younger generations just always seem to... Um, have a certain kind of energy and passion towards making an impact, making a difference, making social impact, things like that. And sometimes those of us in our older generations and some of our churches, the majority of kind of the age group that's in our, a lot of our churches, um, we tend to get just too comfortable. We tend to just kind of maintain on status quo. And so I think it's always super critical to be, launching and leveraging um the college age young adult crowd in every generation so it's kind of fun too that we kind of represent i mean kenny you're sort of did you say you're a gen xer or a millennial gen x you're gen x kind of yeah. are you a cusper or are you fully a gen x not really i mean 77 okay kind of in the middle yeah that was the year you're born not not your age uh, right. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that, Jeremy, because <laughs> everyone was confused. <laughs> um, I mean, so technically you were only three years away from being a millennial. Um, yeah, it depends on who you read. Yeah. So okay, we'll go with I it. Mean, we do have a pretty good spread here, it seems like, which is which is cool. Yeah. I call myself a Gen Zer, but that's obviously, uh, you know, the Gen Zer. 
dementia yeah. of some <laughs> yeah sort. that would make you like nine um yeah yeah, yeah. you have and one I, of those you have one. you're growing one true nice yeah, of true. you and i think that's I, I as i'm thinking about this i think that's one of the cool things about this conversation as we're um as we have these conversations moving forward and invite in other people that we have um uh, a, a large quantity uh, and diversity and experience um, from youth ministry and young adult ministry in different places, uh, both in the U.S. and abroad, to be able to to bring to this, and then hopefully be able to invite more and more people into this discussion as a resource, right? As we've talked about, to be able to uh, for all of us to learn together as we're uh, figuring out how to best do ministry for those who are some of the uh, emerging generations in our world and uh, hopefully in our churches. Yeah, when I when I think about young adults, um, I hear I hear people. Uh, they th- I think they think they're talking about young adults, but they say college students. Which, if you're a young adult and you're not going to college, then you know that's not you. Um, and young adults is a really big group. It's it's a it's a big demographic, and um, it seems like it's gotten bigger um, because it's not just the people that just graduated from high school. It's lasting a little bit longer than that, and so you know, we we get into that some in, in, in the reading of the book, but it's reality in our churches. And so as a youth pastor, a volunteer young adult pastor at the church now, where 15 years ago, I started as, as a youth pastor with youth pastor for seven and a half years. And we have people come to me, parents, other folks, and just say, Hey, do we have anything for young adults? And for a time that they did that, there was a worship service. There was kind of a community and some small groups, but like I told you guys, my pastor at the time, um, he would say that the, the, the babies killed our young adult ministry because the young, young adults got older and they started dating and they got engaged and then they married and had kids and then people had different priorities, went different directions. And so one of my hopes and passions for our conversation and, and um, the discussion that, that hopefully will come from anybody that's listening to this, reading along with us, engaging with us is um, what can we do? about creating sustainable uh, models that are contextualized in our, with our churches for um, discipling young adults and journeying with young adults that aren't freaking out every few years when a new crop or a new generation of young adults come along. We don't know what to do now. They're all different and we should do marketing and we need to hire somebody. And now what can we do that actually is just embedded and, in, and, and just ingrained within the fabric of the church? And so that's my passion for specifically for the Nazarene church. Um, and you guys also know, I mean, just in my previous role as a youth and mission coordinator with the Nazarene church views of Canada. And I learned a lot. I got to go to a lot of places, meet with a lot of people and all of our Nazarene nine Nazarene school campuses. Um, Chris, this is how I met you, Jeremy. This is how I met you in different places together. And I just, I see a pathway. I see the possibility from the local church to the global church that, that we can do this sustainably and and also in a way that's that's um it's like updating our software every couple of years instead of just freaking out um because oh no now there's more young adults and we don't know what to do like let's stop living like that that's why i'm doing this podcast is is not that i've got it all figured out none of us think that but that in our local churches we're 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 trying to um help the people in our church intergenerationally embrace young adult ministry as something that's vital. It's vital for us today. It's vital for the, the church for tomorrow. So I'm going to step down off of my soapbox now. 
Um, that was good. That was that I got that out. I feel so much better. <laughs> kind of makes me want to be a young adult pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be my young adult pastor is what you need to do. <laughs> good. Yeah. 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 I mean, Kenny, that's, that's, that, that was the conversation that I know Chris and I each had, um, to, as you, as we kind of dreamed this up, like it was that passion that I know that each of us have, but that you have very well articulated and been, uh, kind of burning with for the last few years. So it's, it's what makes this conversation so exciting. Yeah, I would love to be able to you know, help curate resources or whatever. I, you know, it's, it's one of the frustrations with this area of ministry is that, um, you know, I kind of have sucked at it. I've had times where I've tried to do college young adult ministry and have, you know, made some, some bad moves or whatever. And I think it's, it's often because we try to find the silver bullet. We try to find the magic program, the miraculous curriculum, the, um, you know, whatever. And it does seem like, and I, I hope as we look at this book together, we may discover some things that you might call transferable concepts, things that can kind of work no matter the context, no matter the size of the church, the ministry. It can be frustrating to stumble across resources that you feel like this is only going to work, you know, for somebody that has 50 young adults, you know, or um, whatever. So anyway, it's it's it can be a troubling area of ministry just because it feels like typical our typical approaches to ministry from a program standpoint just don't seem to work quite like they do with other demographics um so that creates you know some of the challenges but anyway it i am one of the things i'm really excited about is that i hope we'll be able to um articulate some things or create some resources or or just curate some of these concepts that might give people some handles to hang on to as they, as they try to uh, reach out and, you know, basically not lose some of these college age young adults that they feel like are slipping away from their churches or from, you know, their ministries or whatever. Yeah. I, I want this to reign with hope. Um, yeah. This, this, this isn't a, this isn't a place to gather in despair. This is a place where I think the three of us are coming together and wanting to share in, in the journey with folks to see the light, to see the hope. Um, I love the idea of transferable concepts. I'm looking for the lowest common denominator. And, and some people would say, you're, you know, maybe you're, you're aiming too low, Kenny. Um, but I, I see it as what, you know, if we have small churches, like what's, what can work there? What can you take that you can t- contextualize there with young adults? What's that going to look like? It's not going to look the same place. Um, not look the same way as someplace else, but it's funny, you know, when, when you were talking about, you know, you don't have 50 young adults. So what do you do? We get 50 young adults. We're trying to break them off into smaller groups. And so we're looking for a lowest common denominator anyway, because we know that that's where relationship and and, and journey happen. And even in really large churches, we only have so many relationships that can be sustainable, um, within our friendship circles, but then we might know more people and everything. So that lowest common denominator to me of what can be done volunteer-based, low to no budget impact uh, for a church so that they're journeying with um, discipling and, and, and empowering, equipping young adults to lead, not just lead young adults. Um, okay. I, 
Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think one of the things to be clear about too is what is the win? Like what is success with college young adult ministry? I think we need to be careful not to think success is like building a big group of, of 20 somethings. Um, that could be a goal that could be part of the means to the end, but actually sometimes smaller churches have a little bit of advantage here because they can more easily integrate young adults into the life of the church um, so anyway, for me, defining the win and figuring out, you know, success is having a young adult feel like they're an integrated part of the church, um, feel like they know kind of who they are in Christ and what their purpose and mission is and how that fits with, you know, their particular body. Um, so anyway, I think that's a, that'll be an interesting component to, to kind of, tease out massage as we go, you know, as well. Cause sometimes people just assume that the, the end goal would be to create a big group of, of 20 somethings that hang out together. And that, that could be part of it that depending on the church, that could be a means to an end. But if, if we make that the end in itself, um, then we just create another transition problem when they reach the end of the 20 somethings and they still don't feel like they're part of the, the whole church. So maybe we ask, maybe we ask a young adult what the win is. Maybe we, maybe we ask, cause I think there's, there's that tension between leadership and the people you lead and are you, is it what they need or what they want? Um, maybe we should ask a young adult. Maybe we should ask a young adult pastor named Jeremy Height what he thinks a win would be. The first thing I was thinking was the last like seven minutes of the two of you talking is like gold. So if you're listening into this right now, like maybe like go back, rewind, listen to it. Um, uh, you, you can't see this. I only I like have, this. I, I say, like this guy. Yeah. yeah, I do. This guy is great. I only have one good hand, so I can't, uh, I can't write right now, but like, if you're like pull over to the side of the road and take some notes of everything that Kenny and Chris just, cause I think one of the most important things is how, yeah like um, how we approach this, how we define um, what a win looks like for the church. But the, yeah, like what you said, what does it look like uh, for a young adult? I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to a college student um, at a Christian university and we were talking about his, uh, he had just got back for his second year of school there. And he was saying he was still struggling to find a church home because he said, everywhere I go, they just offer us free pizza. And I love free pizza but like, I don't want to just go to a church that I'm catered to. I actually want to do something. Right. Yeah. And I mean, both the way, like it's, um, invite an invitation into involvement into a family. Like when it's a family, like if you've been to a family dinner, like it's you, you are, you, if you're part of the family, not a guest, if you're a guest, everything's done for you. You don't have to get like, get up. The dishes are taken for you. When you're part of the family, you go and you get yourself the salt and pepper. If you want extra, you go like you have freedom to go through the kitchen, but also you're going to help do the dishes at the end. Uh, but it's because you're part of the family and because you're yeah. deeply included. And so like yeah, ownership, we, yeah, ownership. Exactly. And how do we do yeah. that within the church? It's, it is, I think, very specific uh, for young adult ministry and how we how that plays out. But I think that's something that applies across the board uh, for the church. Like, uh, for most people, they want to be a part of something. Um, if they're looking to be a part of a church, they're looking to be a part of something that invites them to contribute. 
uh, in whatever ways they're able to, in whatever the ways God has uh, gifted them and skilled them in this season of life. Uh, but it's something that is uh, confounding as we move into new generations and kind of the target is always moving with it. But I mean, I, I think it's, how do we, how do we find avenues? Um, how do we find pathways for engagement? I love talking to you guys. I'm so glad that we get to share it with like three other people and my mom that are going to listen to this podcast. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. (laughs) And just thinking of the kind people in podcast land, whether they care or not, we actually did create like this little, like this little outline of, of what we want to do in these episodes. So I was thinking I would share that next. Are we in agreement? Shall we vote all in favor? I don't care. I'm just going to read it next. Okay. 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 Thumbs up. Okay. So what we're going to try to do each episode is um, give a little introduction, just kind of all check in together, then give a cultural kind of a general insight from the week, um, cover content from sustainable uh, young adult ministry, the book discussion, just some things that stood out to us and how they relate to us. We are not going to be reading the book for the kind people in podcast land. Um, and then, so we got the culture section, this content section, and then a create segment of like, what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? And then, um, kind of parting thoughts and, and, an outro with hopefully a, a little bit of a blessing. Um, so I brought a cultural thing, but Jeremy, you said you offer yourself as tribute for the cultural piece here. Did you have something you're bringing for us or should I just share mine? No, 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 no. This was, uh, this was, uh, I think this is <laughs> hilarious, uh, but awesome, uh, cultural piece. So please share that, uh, with us and, uh, uh, those at home or in the car listening to this. I, I'm sure people have seen this. Please feel free to chime in. That's a little bit of a pun. You'll see why. Um, I grabbed this screenshot off of a fellow pastor's, uh, Instagram and, uh, it's, it's, um, cell phones in church by generation, a series of broad generalizations and what generalizations aren't broad. So I'm going to start at the bottom of this list with the silent generation, 75 plus phone rings at full value during sermon. They answer it. And it's probably that old school ringing phone sound. I heard it last Sunday in church and I was like, that's amazing. And, and then it takes them at least five or six rings to find it. I can't remember where the phone's at. Um, they answer it and tell the caller they're in church and we'll call them back in a little bit. Full voice. All been there. All seen that, done that. Yep. Okay. Uh, boomers. Ages 55 to 74. Phone rings at full volume during sermon. They let it keep ringing until it goes to voicemail. Thank you <laughs> for not answering the phone. <laughs> and not talking full voice as well. All right, Chris, this is this is us. Do you want to read this one, Chris? Do you have this, or, or do, you, do you want me to do it? I don't want to hog do. Okay, I have it here. Gen X, ages 39 to 54. Uh, we might scroll through the phone during the service uh, and occasionally use Google to fact check the sermon. Not occasionally. Not occasionally. I did All that this morning. I did that time. today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do it. I'm like my, my pastor and friend up here, not sure that he really understands the, uh, the epistemology of that word. And I need to look it up in strong concordance right now. Yeah. I feel like we need to have a sound effect for big theology words. Doo-doo-doo. Oh man. That was, that was a good theology word right there. Yeah. That was a $10 word. Um, well, we have a resident millennial and I think that he should read the next one. 
Yeah, for those of us aged 24 to 38. Oh, Was that a phone? Wait, was that a perfectly phone Perfectly timed. Chris, that did was. you do that on purpose? There's the sound That's, effect. There we go. Yeah. Perfect. Now, now I'm just having PTSD from this morning waking up. <laughs> Sorry. It wasn't the right ringtone. <laughs> You're doing it right now. Man. Okay. Jeremy, just try. Just yeah. try. No, this is perfect because I, I, yeah. So uh, for those of us ages 24 to 38, we watch church on our phone at home instead of coming to church because you get the whole experience anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I find it funny because like, I, I've had people like talk about like millennials always being on their phone or their phone's going off. It has been 15 years since I've played, a, like I've had a ringtone. Like once you stop <laughs> having to pay for ringtones, right. which for me was in high school, it's like my phone has been on vibrate ever since. So it's, right. only, it's only the boomers and the silent generation that you ever hear their phone go off. We're too is that smart. the X-Files, We're too Chris? Smart. That's my X-Files? actual ringtone is the X-Files. <laughs> the truth a is true, out there. A true Gen Xer, yes. Wow, I love it. This is... Come on, this Mulder. is out of control. So we're getting younger. What's what's next, Kenny? I don't know. It's well. Who wants to re- read this one? Am I doing it? I'll do it. Yeah you, yeah, you got. So Generation Z. I have two of these in my house, ages five to twenty-three. Well, I guess if you count my daughter, I don't know if she's a millennial or anyway, Gen Z. Take selfies and play with filters during service. Parentheses will claim to be using the Bible app if confronted. Now, since cell phones became a thing that all teenagers had. Haven't we all had that experience where a kid's on their phone, they're like, hey, you need to put your phone away. I'm reading along with the scripture. And you're like, no, you're not. And you just want to become violent. Um, That's just you. Oh, it's just me? Okay. (laughs) I use the same excuse, though. I'm reading along. I'm looking stuff up. I was going to say, I do that more than my kids. So, Chris, you have – Chris and Jeremy, you both have uh, Generation Alpha – children in your house how, how old is no. your youngest chris nine nine okay i got so, you no know. alphas jeremy no. you have alphas so you I've take got the last two one alphas. yeah for those under five which uh the the people um and we all know who they are called generation alpha i'm not sure who comes up with these names but uh for generation alpha those under actually five, so uh, let me get a little context here sorry yeah. sorry this was australian sociologists just blame it's the Aussies. They come up with these great things. No one knows that they invented. And I just want to champion them right now. They're legends. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And the, the, the more unique the accent, the more legitimate your uh, contribution is. People will take it more seriously. So Too right. For those under five, uh, they will, with their cell phone in church, watch YouTube videos with earphones on, um, on their parents' phone to keep them from disrupting service, which is 100% uh, accurate. Or... <laughs> For me, our son hasn't yet figured out how to use uh, headphones, so we just turn on Paw Patrol and then turn the volume all the way down, and he doesn't seem to notice the difference. I hope he doesn't find the volume buttons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, I, I was reading something recently, too, and I'm sh- you guys probably run across this stuff and, and those listening, but where a one-year-old could totally navigate a smartphone, and, and a six-year-old knows completely how to navigate uh, a tablet, but may not know how to tie their shoelaces. I was reading these comparisons the other day and everything. I was like, wow, this is, this is the, the technological world we live in. So how do we like leverage that? So we're doing it right now, podcasts and with notes, and we're doing our live note updates and everything. And my live note updates tell me that we are on to the content segment 
of said podcast where each one of us shares something from the chapter that stood out to us. So we have the introduction and chapter one of the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry. Subtitle, Chris? Making it work, making it last. Yes. So it's Mark DeVries and... Scott Pontier. And you should get this book. They are not a sponsor. Uh, yeah, we just, I get one of you was it Chris, were you reading this? And you're like, have you seen this book yet? You should check it out. Yeah, I think so. And I got it. So this is all your fault. And the you're welcome. Got it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and we've all read this book and we've lamented, we've gone through a grief process, um, and also some ideation. Um, how do you guys want to do this? Do we just want to share something that, that stood out to you from, kind of the intro each one of us do that and then do the same thing with chapter one and just see where that lands us that's that sounds like a good plan of attack for me yeah we did talk about this ahead of time in case you were wondering this is organized but it's also very egalitarian so we're deciding in the moment yeah who wants to start I'll, i'll run with this um i mean the intro basically sets it up as you know, telling the story of one, one of the author's experience, uh, my assumption would be this is Scott's experience since he is the pastor of Harbor church with that connection. He's kind of telling his story of how they ended up with kind of a church within a church. They had a church of young adults, um, that looked successful, looked awesome. Like all these 20 somethings who are coming to church and they're a part of this. Um, but then basically they hit, uh, they hit kind of a snag where, um, you know, people tend to drift away from the congregation, the young adults, you know, he, he made some joke about college, some college students started to date someone from another church. So a bunch of students left and went over there. Um, and then the financial implications of basically trying to have a church ministry, um, that's geared towards a group, a demographic that doesn't have a lot of money and doesn't necessarily, um, they're not in the habit of, of tithing and giving large sums of money to the church. So financially, that kind of ministry was unsustainable. And then something, I can't remember now, something about the detail of the space, the church they were in, um, or even his financial sustainability as a pastor, he had to take on other responsibilities, another role to basically you know fund. So anyway, it's a story about, hey, you know, it, look, this is awesome. We're reaching young adults. And then within, you know, 18 months perhaps or so, it kind of fizzled and fell apart. And so I think they're illustrating, you know, that that was not a sustainable model of young adult ministry, even though it felt successful and good for various reasons at a particular point in time. And, um, and we can all, we can each of us probably share some stories about, you know, parts, you know, some ministries we've been a part of that maybe they were going good at one time, but it wasn't sustainable or it didn't um, outlast the leadership that was running it or, you know, something like that. So I think it just serves as a really good illustration of how uh, challenging young adult ministry can be because of some of those considerations. What'd you guys get there? Like your, your own personal experience and connections with his story. I think one of the things you just said was 
I think really important that when we're, um, as we talked about, like, how do we define success that sustainable is a key piece to that? Like if it's just something that is about numbers, uh, like you can get that really quick, like a flash in the pan, but like actually being able to sustain it over the long term in terms of uh, deepening discipleship and financial uh, sustainability for the church, for the leaders, like all of that uh, will contribute to if you're actually able to have it be successful um, for years to come, which I felt like sharing that story and kind of like setting the basis for why he was writing the book, which is I think similar to our conversations as well, which is um, kind of sharing from each other um, uh, mistakes and lessons learned and then being able to, to dream together about uh, how we can continue uh, to grow. There was a, a professor that I had in uh, grad school that his first day class said, the way that it's been described to me that I uh, present all my material is like if you were to throw like six different colors of paint up on a, a board, and then you spend the rest of the time trying to separate the colors back out originally. And he was absolutely right. It was the most confusing class I've ever had. <laughs> It wasn't until about two weeks before the semester ended that I actually understood what in the world we were talking about because uh, it was all thrown at us before any context was given. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the helpful things with, with this, um, both the, the introduction, but then also moving like uh, including uh, the first chapter as well as it kind of sets that foundation of like giving the context for why he believes the conversation is important, um, kind of the, the street cred for why his voice should even matter or why their voices should even matter. And then kind of like set a pathway to, uh, to have context for like, this is what I should be expecting throughout the rest of the book. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, you know, the, the, the book title caught, uh, caught my attention right away when Chris shared it with me because I had read sustainable youth ministry, you know, however many years ago, 10, 12 years ago. And that had been important for me as a youth pastor. So I kind of came into it going, okay, it's just like, this is what we do with young adult stuff. We take the youth ministry and we repackage it. And we just try to make it like age appropriate. And I was pleasantly surprised that that is not the case here. And that he um, very readily admitted that uh, what you think should work is probably not going to work with young adults. Um, and if you think that you have it figured out, you're going to find out pretty quickly, or at least you should, um, like, are you, are you, are you smart enough to know that you're dumb kind of thing? I think that's an Eminem lyric that I picked up probably when some kid's music was on, probably not playing in my own car, but anyway, um, <laughs> the, the picture that I'm taking from the introduction and rolling into the first chapter, um, is the one where he describes them as a tumbleweed congregation. And maybe it's just because I'm out in the West and there's like uh, boulder sized tumbleweeds that literally roll across the interstate sometimes. Um, but the tumbleweed thing really grabbed me. And just this idea with, with young adults, we try to create these, I think we cr- try to create these containers or structures with young adults, these programs where we're, we try to get it all buckled down. And then as soon as we think that we have it figured out, they leave, they, they go someplace else. So what if, what if we embrace, um, uh, kind of a perspective of investment in young adults of sending and, and not just out of high school and, and, and into the young adult years, college age years, graduate school years, moving years, life, relational changing years, job changing years. We just embrace all of that as reality. And like the tumbleweed where if it's going to replicate, 
it has to suck all of its life up into um, from from the edges, and so it all gets brittle, and then it breaks off of its stem, and then it starts rolling, and then every time it hits someplace, it 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 drops um, copies of itself, and it's replicating, and so it's it's moving around to a bunch of different places. I love that illustration, that visual that that that, that gives me from the chapter. That makes sense to me. Um, with young adult ministry. I don't know if that resonates with, with anybody else, but if I can invest in people that in, instead of expecting them to stick around, but know that they're going to leave, then I'm probably setting myself and, and them up for relational and discipleship success. That's, that's my big challenge and kind of takeaway just from the introduction of the book. I think what chapter one, um, really has to offer. I mean, there's just great insights in here. I've got so many quotes I've highlighted in, in here, but the seven simple steps to failure that are then unpacked the rest of the book um, of what churches usually go through when they start realizing they need to do something about young adults. Um, folks, if you don't have this book, please get the book and read it. Read along with us, journey along with us. Um, Chris, you gave a really interesting insight after reading the book and having been a young adult pastor. Um, do you mind confessing that to us here publicly? Um, I really don't want to be perceived as a failure. So, <laughs> In this instance, it is success to be a failure. But um, I can relate to experiences of failure um, when it comes to young adult ministry. Um, so I mentioned earlier in the intro of this episode anyway, that I have been working with college students specifically. Um, but about halfway through my 10 year season of ministry at the university of Cincinnati, I decided to try to come alongside a local church and come on staff as a college young adult pastor and try to build a bridge from the local church to the campus. And, and, and to, to be fair, some of my motivation was financial because most campus ministers raise their own support and that gets tricky. So if you could talk a church into like, you know, funding you part time, you're like, hey, that would be good. Um, but anyway, so talk this church, this pastor into, hey, let me join staff and come on and do college young adult ministry. And basically, I was telling Kenny, I think, you know, they talk about the six common mistakes that that churches make in here. And I made at least seven of the six. Um, so, uh, or five, you know, at least five of the six, but seven of six sounded gooder. So, um, so yeah, these mistakes, I mean, I'm just reading this book and reading these chapters and be like, I totally did that. I totally thought that was a good idea. Whoops. Um, why didn't this book come out a little sooner? Uh, so anyway, there, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's also sad. And, and I would say I keep seeing, you know, churches that want to make these mistakes again and again and again, um, because maybe they don't realize their mistakes. Um, well, but here, anyway, let me, let me just, let me share this one of the quotes that I tweeted this morning as I was rereading the chapter, getting ready for our conversation today. Nice. The thing about mistakes is they often don't look like mistakes when you're making them. <laughs> and that's what I told you. You were doing the stuff that you knew to do that nobody else maybe had tried and you had the latitude to do it. And you're like, we're going to give this a go. Probably sounded crazy to other people. But then as you look back, you go, you know, that, 
that, that didn't work. So we yeah. got to fail forward. We got to fail forward with some stuff because there's no, there's no silver bullet. There's no perfect plan. Um, we have to flesh out in our context what it looks like with young adults and not just do ministry to them, but ministry with them. Um, we got to, and this is something we've all talked about. We've, we got to have, we got to stop having boomers and Xers and older millennials creating things for young adults to do and then tell them it's really good and try to get those young adults to come to it and then wonder why they don't show up as they're making adult decisions um, and consumeristic decisions that they've been made, that they've been raised to make by all of us who have been shepherding them along and parenting them up to this point. Yeah. And I think it comes back to one of the, one of the worst things we do in the church in terms of discipleship and metrics and how we measure success and stuff is that we kind of base it on attendance or like program size, you know, so that we think just getting a large group of people into a room is success. Um, And so you know, we try to apply that method to young adult ministry as well. And, and that's what we did. I spent two years in this role, you know, at a local church. Um, and, you know, we did something and we did the very thing that <laughs> this book talks about, like, oh, hey, let's, let's have a meeting after church. And anybody who's, you know, ages 18 to 29, you're welcome to stay. We're going to have free pizza, free food, you know, come and hang out with us. And then we basically did like this poll, you know, we had everybody fill out forms and answer a few questions about like, you know, what would you be interested in? What would you like for the church to provide for you? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff alongside of free pizza. And then, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to those results. I incorporated those a little bit into how we designed some of the first few events and stuff. But I mean, basically, I just had what I thought was a good idea. And I tried to develop like, um, to be it, it was like a TED Talk um, approach to young adult ministry, you know, uh, a gathering with some cool worship and, and we called it theology, entertainment and design. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so, I mean, I thought it was a great idea, but again, I'm, not, I'm a Gen Xer, uh, you know, trying to, uh, convince these millennials at the time of, of what they really were looking for or needed or whatever. So anyway, yeah, that was two years worth of, uh, pulling what few little hairs remained, you know, out of my head, um, <laughs> except your beard. And then I, I resigned and went back to full-time campus ministry after that. Um, and now five years later, after reading this book, I'm like, Hey, we should try that again. I think we can, <laughs> I think we Maybe can it'll give it another go. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I learned my lesson. But. Chris, our, this is Sunday for the listeners. We're, we're doing our recordings on Sunday. And so we're all coming out of our Sunday mornings and the different parts and, and, and responsibilities with our churches and our different roles. Chris has got a small group at his house. Do you need to head out to that now, Chris? Or are you good? I've, I've probably got another 20 minutes. I'm good. Oh, sweet. Okay. They're just well, eating. They're eating and hanging out right now. I don't, have to real... I don't have to leave the study until six. So we got 28 minutes. <laughs> they're doing the real Christian things, breaking bread together, my friend, <laughs> my brother. Oh. Uh, Jeremy, anything out of Christmas, Sharon, or any, any thoughts as we continue? I, you know, 
two thoughts. Um, one, kind of what you were sharing, like Chris, like, you know, what you were doing there in that local church context uh, several years ago is like doing the best you could as you were figuring it out. And I heard someone say recently, like, you can't like read and study up your way um, to doing a perfect push up. You just have to do the push up until you like it is through the practice that you end up figuring out how to do it well, um, which I wouldn't know. I haven't done enough push ups to know if that's the right way to do it. But um, maybe Kenny, I feel like I've seen you on Instagram do a lot of push ups, Kenny. So maybe you can you can speak to that. Um, but the Technology one other, does wonders. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think one of the other things that um, kind of connecting what we're talking about here with the, the different mistakes you can make in ministry to something that I was reading about this week. I don't know if you guys heard about the, the church in Minnesota. Um, it's, uh, in cottage Grove, Minnesota. It's this church that is closing this summer and relaunching in the fall specifically to young people. And they're asking, literally asking the elderly people not to come back. Like saying that they, that the church is dwindling to such a degree that it's going to die anyway. And they're asking them uh, to at least for two years, go to a different location so that they can relaunch as a young church. And I was like, I was reading this yesterday morning and I was just like, I cross-referenced it once uh, to make sure that it actually was a legitimate thing. Um, but then came across it multiple places and like the, the pastor that's helping lead it, like talking about that. And I was just thinking like, man, like, well, one, they need to, to get sustainable young adult youth men or young adult ministry, making it work, making it last again, not yet a sponsor of this podcast. Um, but also <laughs> that like, man, that just breaks my heart. Like I, like as, as important as it is to reach our, uh, like, I just don't know how that seems like that's going to, going to work, but also reading some of those, uh, uh, reading some of the interviews, uh, with some of the elderly people that are literally being kicked out of their church. Yeah. Um, and I think still being asked to tithe, uh, in the meantime. Um, but like, yeah, nice. That is subscribe. It's, it's like, <sighs> so, okay. I, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm astonished at that. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that totally armchair quarterbacking here, but I look at that and I just, I bring that into my local church's context and, and I'm looking at it going, why don't, why don't we figure out how we get the older generation to connect with the younger generation? And okay, maybe all those people won't be super great for that, but are they grandparents? Are they parents of people that might be that age or have nieces and nephews? Can they make food? Cause young adults love food. Also. So do I, um, isn't there a way to like, to like, to like somehow interweave those things so that the church is the church no matter the ages. And it's not just a siloed kind of specific age group setting. Cause now what's going to happen when they come back, they've gone to another church. They don't have relationships. And now if this actually works and you have a young adult church, which personally, I don't know that that's the greatest model. That's what we had in my church 15 years ago was like a young adult church within our church. And then babies killed it. Like I told you guys before, you know, um, and, and I see that happening in my area where when I ask people about young adult ministry and there's these two or three kind of thriving offshoot young adult worship gatherings, but they're replicating something in a different style from the main church. It's, it's not just being the church and integrating the church to, together. Um, what I'm finding is that young adults want to have peer connections within their faith community. 
but they're not shunning all other generations and ages. Um, they just also want to hang out with people their age as an option, and there don't seem to be many around. But what do we do? We create a separate worship service for them. Go over there. Um, and that's really crass and a broad generalization. But I can't imagine doing that. Give us your tithe money. Go to different churches and come back in two years, and maybe we'll have a church again. Doesn't that just put them in the same situation? Just a little bit further down the road? Yeah, and I feel like it's the exact opposite of what the stereotype that we normally hear of saying, oh, church is uh, prioritizing one group of people's opinions and uh, their form of discipleship and worship over somebody else. But it's the exact flip of saying we're going to prioritize these youngers. And for the older generations, you, you don't you don't matter as much or there's other churches that can serve you. But it's like uh, if, if it's about... Uh, the local church being a family and being a representation of the broader kingdom of God. Like you need, how do uh, we, how do yeah. How do we get that wrong? How do, I don't know. how do we somehow, like we think about that maybe in other areas and then we get to this area and we just get dumb. I feel like this parallels a tendency in our culture to just want to create, you know, affinity groups or just protect ourselves from people who aren't like us you know, whether it's political or ethnic, cultural, whatever, um, you know, we can just want to surround ourselves with the people that are, you know, like us and make us feel comfortable. Um, and I mean, no, that's, <laughs> that's, no. Are you, the, no, are you saying, uh, Chris, that echo chambers is not a healthy way to embrace culture? I mean, I really hate to go out on a limb here, but uh, it seems unhealthy. Yes. Um, yeah, and I mean, this is also saying to this current young adult crowd, hey, and in 30 years, we're going to have to do this to you again, and you guys are going to be out because that's how we roll. Um, just be ready for it. I mean, yeah, it's just an unhealthy approach. I mean, I guess I can kind of see what would motivate, you know, a pastor, a leader, a church. Um, I mean, we, you know, we definitely hear the the frustrations of, oh, hey, we want to change the worship style or we want to do this or that. But, you know, the older crowd in our church who really controls everything because they're the money bags. Um, you know, we can't make these changes or adapt or whatever. I mean, we, we can hear critiques or, I mean, I guess I can see what would motivate that. And that's kind of a ballsy move, you know, for a pastor to be like, yeah, let's, let's try this and see if it works. Um, but it just certainly doesn't feel like it, it uh, can I use the word jive? It jives with uh sermon on the Mount with Jesus, with, um, body of Christ. Um, you know, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you because you're not a hand. Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, as we're kind of, um, probably wrapping up here, working towards the outro, um, what, what are some things just on the onset here of our podcast journey with the young adult ministry podcast, Yamcast, Yamcast, Yamcast. What, what do you feel like are some, some just uh, anchor points that we're going to keep coming back to that are really important with young adult ministry that are uh, not about program or about people. What are some of those things 
that you found um, practicing personally? Um, maybe things that the reading reminded you of. Those anchor point things. I'll leave with one. If you're like, that was so confusing, Kenny. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I would say, and it's it's hard not to kind of do any spoilers here um, with what's coming down the pike as we get into the book. But I mean, for me, you already mentioned this earlier. You used the phrase, you know, kind of the difference between a, a ministry for young adults or a ministry with young adults. And I, to me, that's a key thing to get into your head is that we don't need to be just doing stuff for young adults, um, but figuring out how to um, empower uh, college age young adults to, to do ministry and to do what they're already passionate about, which I think is to integrate, you know, faith with life and not just have a separate faith community that makes no that has no connection to their everyday life kind of stuff. So anyway, to me, that's a, that's something we'll come back to time and time again, is that we're not creating a program for young adults. We're trying to figure out how to come alongside young adults, help them, uh, you know, do ministry. So kind of break down that, some of that consumer type stuff. Which I think, I think starts with being present. Um, so it's just being, being present to people, being present to young adults, paying attention to who's there and not, um, I, I learned pretty early on in youth ministry, uh, when teams would walk in and go, where is everybody? And they meant their four friends, right? There's, there's, you know, all these people in the room and they didn't see their, the one or two of their four friends and it be present to who is there with young adults. That's where young adult ministry begins and, and, and ends. Um, and I'm just going to stop there, Jeremy. I think uh, it was something that both of you are talking about. So being present and ministry with instead of ministry for or to um, a church leader uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Kenny, maybe you'll remember this quote. Um, he uh, said, you know, instead of asking the question, how do we connect young people to the church? The question needs to be flipped on its head. And how do we connect the church to mission? And so if the church is doing what the church is supposed to be doing, which is being the hands and feet of Christ in the world of through declaration and demonstration, bringing God's kingdom more fully into our world for those of my age and younger who want to be a part of helping heal the world's of its brokenness, helping uh, turn the tide of injustices like that is that is the kind of story, that's the kind of narrative that I think anybody of any age range, especially uh, those of us uh, on the uh, the younger age range of the generations, th that's something that we get inspired by. And so being able to say, hey, we're not, we're not defining success as just numbers, um, but we're saying, how can we as a church be faithful to the DNA of what the church was intended to be? And how do we do that in our local context in a way that we are inviting um, through our presence and through our withness that we invite young people along with all the other generations into this amazing mission of God? Wow. So, Chris, here's what I think we do. I think just, we just take the right now. We, I, Chris, I think we just take the segment that that just that snippet that Jeremy just did, 
we erase everything else that you and I have said up to this point. And that one and a half minutes is the first podcast episode. That's no, what I think. No, no. There's fair. A- there's yeah, there's a there's a there's a there's a song from uh the movie selma that came out a few years ago called glory with john legend and in it he says we need the wisdom of the elders and the young people's energy you you're the wisdom of the elders yeah. wow <laughs> see and that's what's wrong needed. with that church in minnesota see that's that's what's wrong with that that whole situation is there is you you got to take you got to take the wisdom and the experience of the older folks and then that energy put those together in a church and you have that synergy that happens, but you got to have, I, I think you've got to have the people like us and others that are the advocates in our church context that help bring those things together. Cause for whatever reason, they often don't happen on their own. There has to be a champion. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So now what do we do? Well, let's close this thing out until next time. Um, I don't, did you guys see the little liturgy that I created for us? I did see it. Yeah. Do you, do you want to try it? It's, it's all the way at the bottom, Chris. Under our sure. notes called outro. Outro. Right. Thing. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> Until next time. Fail forward. Be present. Be teachable. Be flexible. And try something new. Gosh darn it. The Yamcast. 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 Chris? No Yamcast? Yamcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>